0: My name is Mike Lee, and this is the Sawtooth Chronicles. The year is 1888, and the small mining town of Tybo, Nye County, Nevada, was undergoing one of its many revivals. Silver was discovered in Taibo Canyon in 1866. However, large-scale mining did not occur until the construction of a smelter six years later in 1872. Taibo, derived from the Western Shoshone word Taivu for white man, is located about 60 miles northeast of Tonopah. At its height in 1876, Taibo boasted 1,000 residents in a small commercial district, including five stores, an express office, saloons, three hotels, two restaurants, two liveries, a post office, and a newspaper. A fine brick schoolhouse was added in the late 1870s. In 1879, the town suffered its first slump, the mines closed, and the population dropped to 100. There were many mining revivals, and during one of these small revivals, 33-year-old Jim Butler from Eureka, Nevada traveled to Taibo. Jim had a reputation of being lazy, but was friendly and likable. His acquaintances said that he spent much of his time at the Shoshone Native American camp near Taibo. He avoided as much work as possible and was a frequent gambler of chance with his Shoshone friends. Jim shared food that he bought from his winnings with them. Jim Butler and his friend Lewis Benson have befriended a young woman of good background and education, Isabella. Belle McCormick Donahue. Bell and her husband, Maurice, had three young children. However, due to Donahue's drinking and abuse of her children, Bell filed for a divorce. Maurice was extremely jealous of her friends and threatened their lives. This is an account published in the Eureka Sentinel, Eureka, Nevada, September 22nd, 1888, as told by Lewis Benson. Donahue sent word to J. Butler that he wanted to settle with him. Butler rounded a corner of a building and Donahue pulled a pistol on him. Butler, being faster than Donahue, pulled his pistol and walked up to him and disarmed him. The sheriff was called and when he arrived he took both pistols. Donahue then stated that he would kill Butler. About a week later, Lewis stated, I was walking down the street in Taibo last Friday evening. Donahue was standing on the sidewalk and said, I've got you damn SOB. He held up the pistol against my arm and fired the ball taking effect just above my left elbow and passing into the fleshy part of my arm. I got out of the way as quick as I could when Donahue and Butler got together grappling each other and fired. Several shots were fired and Butler was creased on his cheek. Donahue had been shot four times by Butler and died immediately. This is episode five of the Sawtooth Chronicles, Belle Butler, Mother of Tonopah.
1: When it's night time in Nevada, I'm dreaming of the old days on the desert and you. And I'll miss you when the campfire are gleaming and I'll wonder if you Miss me too. I can see the great divide and the trails we used to ride. That's the only bit of heaven I knew when it's nighttime in the valley. The old days, on the desert and you.
0: Thanks to the Peavine Pickers for their rendition of Nighttime in Nevada. Nighttime in Nevada was originally recorded and performed by Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneers. Butler was arrested, however, Tybo Ti- Ti- didn't have a jail, so he was transported to Belmont. At the ensuing hearing in Belmont, witnesses stated that Donahue had threatened the lives of Isabella's friends, both men and women. Butler was exonerated. Jim Butler never forgot the incident. Years later, Butler told his friend, Arthur Tate, It's a terrible thing to have killed a man. You never have a good night's sleep afterwards. You see it over and over again in the dark. After being exonerated, Butler returned to Tyboe. He felt responsible in making Belle a widow, so he took care of her and her children. Isabella Bell McCormick Donahue was born to Allen and Annie McCormick in Prince Edward Island, Canada on April 8, 1861. Not much is known about her early life. In 1867, the family moved to Fish Lake Valley, Esmeralda County, Nevada, and in 1880, the family moved to Tybo. Belle married Maurice Donahue and they had three children, Lottie, Frank, and Nevada Bell. In the spring of 1889, Butler married Belle and they remained married the rest of their lives. Jim's father deeded the Little Empire Ranch in Nye County's Monitor Valley to Belle in the early 1890s. Butler moved Belle and her three children to the ranch. The ranch's rock house was home for the family for several years. The ranch was isolated with the nearest neighbors over 15 miles away. The ranch did provide a meager living with livestock fields for hay and a large vegetable garden. Over the years, Belle and Jim, whether good times and bad, endured through sickness and health, poverty, and riches. Belle, like many of pioneer women, preferred to remain happily in the background, raising her three children, keeping poverty's wolf from the door, tending crops, and raising cattle along with Jim, haying, ranching, and making clothes for the family. It was a hard life, but there was no complaints. Belle's faith and family kept her strong. Her kindness and her willingness to share What little she had endured her to others. All that changed in May of 1900 when Bill made the silver strike at Tonopah. Overnight, Belle and Jim Butler were thrust into the limelight. Their quiet lives turned upside down. Belle wasn't comfortable with the name of the camp being Butler, so she proposed that the camp be renamed Tonopah for the springs that were located there. She felt that it was more appropriate name. Belle also named the Miss Paul Mine after one of her favorite verses in the Bible. Genesis chapter 31 verse 49 And Mishpah, for he said, The Lord watcheth between me and thee when we are absent from one another. As Tonopah prospered, Bell preferred to remain at their ranch in Monitor Valley, running things while Jim traipsed around the back roads, conducting business, making deals, and meeting people. Jim always gave credit to Bell for their prosperity, not that rangy Burrell who had his own 15 minutes of fame. In October 1901, Jim Butler's oldest stepdaughter married Robert M. Chrysler. After a San Francisco honeymoon, they moved to the ranch in Smoky Valley. Two months after the wedding, the bridegroom died of pneumonia. The whole family, being heartbroken after Chrysler's death, moved to Owens Valley and purchased a ranch near Bishop, of which the family would own the rest of Butler's life. Hopefully, life would be easier there, and Bell hoped that the family would remain close to the base of the Sierra Nevadas. She wrote in her diary that she hated to leave the dear little valley and the Indians behind. The Butlers would also purchase a hotel in Big Pine, California and renamed it the Butler Hotel. Belle was a force to be reckoned with, as with almost all pioneer women. She would stand toe-to-toe with any man while hammering out a business transaction. She kept meticulous business and correspondence records. One minute she could have the future governor for tea and the next she'd be rounding up a herd of cows in the back 40, her great-granddaughter writes. Belle loved animals of all sorts and would always be found with a puppy or an old pooch by her side. She was more comfortable in an old work hat and ranch clothes than fancied up city frocks. Her niece, Elma Mora Johnson, remembers living with the butlers when her mother died. She remembers Belle as being kind-hearted than loving. Belle's youngest daughter Beta Nevada Belle, took the young girl under her wing. Elma would spend the rest of her life in the area. To escape the winters of the Sierra, The butlers purchased a home in San Jose. Annie McCormick Luce, Belle's mother, served as a strong influence on her daughter. She was devoted to her large family. Having weathered two difficult marriages, Annie became the main provider for the children. However, after the strike in Tonopah, Belle and Jim shared their good fortune with the entire family. They eased the burden on Annie in her later years. Annie outlived Jim, Belle, and Veda and is buried in the old Belmont Cemetery under a low rock mountain and some stately pine trees. She is surrounded by the graves of many of her children. Belle was frequently left alone while Jim made frequent trips to conduct mining business and just explore the desert of which he loved. Reading between the lines of her diary notation, one can sense a lonesomeness and her great worry of Jim's health. Judith L. Butler, her great-granddaughter. Belle was known as kind and generous. She often tended to the sick workers and Paiutes on the ranch. Jim and Belle were always there for the less fortunate. They were able to send their three children, Frank, Lottie, and Nevada Bell, to good schools and travel around the state. They worked hard to maintain a normal existence. Jim's travels took a toll on his health, and Bell was always worried. In 1918, the family suffered a tremendous personal loss. Veda succumbed to the influenza pandemic at the age of 30. Her husband, Lister, an attorney, was in France during World War I, and Veda was keeping his practice running. Cousin Elma remembers she was as smart as she was beautiful, active in local bishop civic groups, head of the Republican committee, kind-natured as her mother. Veda could always be counted on to help a friend or neighbor in need. Belle took Veda's death hard, and you could say that she never recovered. Belle did keep busy by traveling to visit family and friends, and she visited son Frank and his family, Philip, Bell, Frank Jr., and Robert, in Sacramento often. Lottie moved to Sacramento, remarried and bore a son, Howard. Belle worried about Jim's health, however her health was rapidly deteriorating. On a visit to Lottie, Belle passed away on June 23, 1922. She was 61. Jim lost his life's love and partner and became despondent. Jim passed away barely six months later on January 22, 1923. Belle is buried at the Oak Hill Memorial Park in San Jose alongside her daughter Lottie. Jim is buried in an unmarked grave at the old Sacramento City Cemetery in Sacramento. A memorial to Jim Butler is located nearby. Judith Butler, Butler's great-granddaughter, sums up Belle's life perfectly. In the end, Belle Butler would be memorialized as the mother of Tonopah, and remembered for her pioneer spirit. When the story is retold of the strike that turned Nevada's economy around, there are comical references to Jim Butler and his wandering borough. Little mention is made of the butler women who quietly stood by Jim in sickness and in health. If Belle, Anna Luce, Veda, and Lottie were to gather in heaven to ponder this matter, it is likely they would shake their heads and say, that's just the way it was back then. It was all they knew, a world where the work of women mostly taken for granted, when too many rules and too little freedom mapped out the landscape for the so-called delicate sex. Belle Butler left behind big shoes afield. It seems the women of the next generation did just fine following in those strong footsteps by entering the fields of medicine, teaching, writing, and business. World's mostly closed women in the 1800s. Researching Belle's life, I am continually reminded of how successful people have a spouse or significant other in the background to give them support and encouragement. Belle stayed home and allowed Jim to frots around the Nevada desert, which eventually resulted in the discovery of Tonopah. She didn't like the name of the original camp, Butler, so she convinced Jim, or more than likely told Jim, that the name had to be changed. According to her great-granddaughter, Judith Butler, Belle proposed the name of Tonopah, and the name stuck. Belle also named several of the original claims, including the fabulous Misspah claim, which became the richest and the most successful of them all. As stated earlier, Belle was very religious and had a favorite saying from the Bible to get her through those many lonely years that Jim was out in the desert and i feel it's more than appropriate to say it here again genesis 31st chapter forty-ninth verse and Mispah. for he said the lord watch between me and thee when we are absent from one another legend states that jim and the lowly girl discovered tonopah however i feel that bell should be giving a large part of the credit bell truly is the mother of tonopah most of the information in this podcast was found in boomtown history three Life in Goldfield and Tonopah's Boomtowns, Belle Butler, First Woman of Tonopah, and Poems for Nevada Belle and the Forgotten Women of the West by Judith Baker, published by the Boomtown History Conference in Tonopah, 2009. Three volumes were published by the conference since there are loads of little-known facts and stories from Central Nevada. Of course, they are still available on Amazon. I believe that all Central Nevada and Nevada history buffs should have these volumes on their bookshelf. This concludes Episode 5 of the Sawtooth Chronicles. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit of history from Central Nevada. This episode and other episodes can be found where you obtain your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss one. You can also find a link to the podcast through the Sawtooth Chronicles Facebook page. References used in this episode can be found on the Sawtooth Chronicles Facebook page. If you have any questions or suggestions, please leave a message or IM me on Facebook. Thanks again for your support and to the music of the Peavine Pickers and Dave Stamey. Nighttime in Nevada was written by Richard W. Pasco, Will Doomage, and H.O. Riley Clint. Tonopah was written and performed by Dave Stamey. Thank you for subscribing, and if you would like what you've heard, spread the word. This podcast has been written and produced by me, Mike Lee, edited by my wife, Linda, and my technical advisor is Oliver. This has been Episode 5 of the Sawtooth Chronicles.
1: carry my saddle by the side of the road hard rain's falling wind blowing cold east across the mountains head of battle scene telling me it's time If I had wings Go soaring back town of ball Headlights glowing The cars hurry past Just like the years are flowing so fast If I can get there I know I'll be one The aching in my bones will soon be gone I fear the darkness of this coming storm And I journey back to Tonopah Calling me. I'm where those shadows run so tall. Hot, dry, and wind blown country. I can hear you calling me. Calling me.